growing your business is tough, but don't worry, we've got you covered. We interview industry experts on how they've solved their most challenging business problems in SaaS or e-commerce. No fluff, just step-by-step playbooks to help you dominate your market and crush the competition. This is the How We Solve podcast. Here's your host. Today, we have a great show coming up with Jamie Huskison. So Jamie is the CEO and founder of JH. They're an award-winning e-commerce agency that design and develop um, high growth and outstanding e-commerce experience for their B2B and B2C clients. So they're an agency that's really focused on getting their clients two steps ahead. He's going to talk to us about how they achieve that today. So he also is the man behind and, and running Meet Magento UK. So they're a global conference focused on the future of e-commerce. This year, they had over 2,000 people from 83 countries attending virtually. Well, Jamie, really glad that we can catch up today to have this conversation. I think the one thing that came through, and this is amazing because I, I didn't know, we're talking about Magento here, right? So before we dive into the topic that we talked about today, I'd love to hear more about Magento. I saw that you guys had a really great virtual conference this year. Yeah, it was 10th year this year. So we took over three years ago. Adobe said, look, we're going to consolidate our events into one European event. We've got Adobe Summit. That's what we're going to do. I said, I think we can do a pretty darn good job of that. We've been attending all these years. We can go one step better and then eventually two steps better. And last year, we pivoted in the middle of the pandemic, went online for charity, raised £85,000 for various charities there to help people out. This year, we came back and we did what we always did, improved every aspect across the board, 35 speakers, different panels, just brilliant future of e-commerce content across the board. And then, yeah, 2,000 people. 83 countries just blows my mind that we were finishing the day and people were starting the day in a completely different part of the planet. But every time the speaker said, I'm about to go live, we saw another 50 people kind of jump over and, and jump in and stay there for the rest of the day. So just outstanding. That is fantastic. And this is not the first time that Me Magento is doing it virtual, right? I think you mentioned that this is the second time, I think, or, or third time after the consolidation. Second time. So last year was in June. So that was what, maybe two, three months into the pandemic, everybody being locked away and all the rest of it. We saw every event go away and we just said, you know, we need to be focused on how to bounce back. And there was the kind of, uh, we had an analogy at the time, it was survive, adapt, thrive. And it was a thing to say that everybody was so desperate just to survive. And so sort of most people were in the adapt stage. And we wanted to do a conference to say, here's how you thrive. Here's how you prepare for that third stage. Here's how you don't have to stall and just keep surviving forever is how you can move move beyond that. So we pulled it off in six weeks, seven weeks, something like that. 1,300 people attempts, quite a lot of them merchants, about 60% merchants, something crazy like that. And still getting emails about how great that conference was and how good the that was. So we must have done a good job. Well, congratulations. That's really fantastic news. And But before we dive into the problem that we're going to solve today, one other question that I have for you, because you know, you, you did the pivot where you went from physical events to virtual events. In 2022, do you think that there's a possibility of Meet Magento to switch back to having a physical conference, or is it going to be like a hybrid? Where do you see this going? The problem being crazy for ourselves, and I think it's a wonderful problem that we'll embrace, is it's 83 countries that, by default, not everybody's going to fly over. And so even if we could put 2,000 people in a room and everybody flew over and we got the book deals on hotels on their behalf and everything else, it would be uh, just a tad more difficult to pull off than previous years, right? So 
think at the moment we're looking at hybrid. The moment we're looking at how we can maybe have a more intimate venue, maybe three to five hundred people, and then have everybody join virtually. But much like last year when we were trying to go virtual and nobody had done a virtual event at that scale before, I think hybrid is a little bit of the same. Not a lot of people are getting their toes wet there, so we're going to have to break some ground for sure. Oh, that's fantastic. Pushing the frontiers, man. Pushing the frontiers. What you're trying to do, you don't do anything unless it's going to be better than the last time, right? So you've got to can't just push it for your customers, you've got to do it for yourself too. It's got to be exciting for us and that's how we make it exciting. This is a very good segue because understanding how you manage Meet Magento and how you're doing things at JH, if you could share today, what's the problem that we're solving? So what we want to solve today is switching from reactive to proactive in commerce. So everybody's struggling with it, especially because there's so many newbies to the industry where all these jobs are created overnight in e-commerce. But in my view, no idea generation. There's no way to measure besides, oh, we happened to grow this year. And a lot of people just end up behind their competition becoming really generic. Very cool. To dive in deeper to what you said, switching from reactive to proactive. Now, because I come from a customer success background, customer experience. So when we talk about switching from reactive to proactive, we're always talking about how can you better engage customers in your store, right? You know, like anticipating a question and kind of resolving that before even having the customer reach out to you, right? So that's my concept of reactive to proactive for CX, at least (laughs) as a small example. But how would you define switching from reactive to proactive in e-commerce? Like, what are some examples? A basic example is that a lot of people will, if we generalize a little bit, a lot of people come to work, they don't have a plan for what they're going to do that day apart from a few meetings. And they will often open up their email and say, I'm going to solve that thing. And that's what they'll do, right? The very definition of reactive, they'll never be proactive until somebody says, you need to go solve X. But then by the very nature, they're reacting to that thing. They're back in the circle. Whereas a a proactive person is going to come to work and they're going to say, I need to achieve X by Friday. I've got to do this on Wednesday. And they're they're stepping towards that thing they've got in the future, that thing they're aiming to do, rather than just turning up and figuring it out. So it's like having a direction and a goal with what you want to achieve with your e-commerce store, right? Something like that. It starts with the plan. You have a role in any business. Let's talk about customer success. You say, well, what's the purpose of that, that role? What do I bring? What's my success look like, right? You're often much more empowered, much more autonomous, but you're going to do the job far better. Whereas if I just plunk you in a seat and said, if the phone's going to ring, I answer it and do your best, you're not going to do very well. Now, I'm saying the extremes of both examples there, but it's really a case of it's being prepared for the success rather than simply expecting it to happen. And I think too many are just, you know, we've got a great brand, we've got a great product, it's going to happen overnight. Okay. You've talked about start having your own plan, right? So how do we go about solving this? How do we make the switch to go from reactive to proactive? There's four steps, really. One, you have a plan. Two, you tell people about it. Get people on your side, align people together. Three, you get your idea generation and your source of ideas sorted. And four, you make sure you're measuring. If you're not measuring, you don't know when to pull out the champagne is how I word it, right? Sure, they want an alcoholic version of champagne, so that's a good thing to say. When you're starting with that plan, if you're starting any organization or if you're starting any commerce because it's just been put on your desk, you know, previously you were in charge of marketing, now we've got e-commerce involved. The first thing is to go back to the company vision and say, why do we exist? What's the reason we're around? A lot of businesses, in my opinion, are not started because they are simply good money-making opportunities or the, the entrepreneur behind them, the business person behind them decided this would be a great way to earn more money. It's really to say, this is the difference I want to make in the world. This is the thing and the problem, the itch that I want to scratch, and this is the difference I want to make. 
you can start with that and say, what are we doing with our, our digital platforms? What are we doing in e-commerce? What are we doing in our marketing? Step forward towards those things. What you then do is you say, well, where are we now? Where do we want to go? Like if we have a goal that we mark ourselves, say, a two out of 10 on, we say, okay, we want to be the top leader of X. And we go, well, actually, we think we're about a two. We're just getting started. You then want to go, well, what's the gap? How far away are we? What do we need to do? What are the steps we need to take? How aggressive do we need to be? Because ultimately, again, like if you're a brand, it doesn't matter if it's 5 million or 10 million or 100 million, you've got to set a goal for that year rather than just say more than 100 million, please. More than I did last year. Because you're just not going to achieve a lot. You're just going to kind of achieve what you did last year plus a few percent if you're lucky. You then want to start saying, what are the key numbers that influence that, right? So it all starts with sales, almost always starts with sales. And you then want to start with like the surrounding KPIs of what's the biggest influences against that vision, against that goal that could be there. So for example, if I am a customer service-led business, I'm going to talk about what, what's the rating of the experiences that are out there. How many times are people coming back? Are they loyal? Are they happy, et cetera? And we have some KPIs around that instead of, say, defaulting to just things like conversion rate by themselves really, really easy to just build into the basic e-commerce KPIs and never branch out and complement them with things that head towards your brand. You then want to look at grouping those KPIs into strategies. So you could say, okay, if loyalty is a big thing for my brand, because that's what I'm making the difference in towards my vision, if that's where I want to go, then you want to say, put those KPIs together and say, how's my loyalty doing? Then you want to say, how's my sales doing? How's my retention doing, etc.? When you have those strategies together, because you're saying, my loyalty is a little weak, if I improve that, I know I've stepped towards my goal a little bit more, you can then group everything to come underneath those strategies and against those KPIs. So as an example here, if I have three to pick three different things, if I have, say, loyalty, checkout, and say, product information to pick three very wide-ranging things, if I now have ideas through my idea generation, I automatically have groups. And I can automatically say, and there's a fourth miscellaneous area over here that will convince me to either pivot my strategy or that my current strategies are incorrect. So now you have a plan, you can really talk about, this is where we're going, this is what I'm purposely going to step towards, but you can also check yourself against it. So when you look back at those KPIs and say, okay, well, actually, it's not moved in three months, what the heck am I doing? You immediately now have a focus around what that idea needs to be. Here's my opportunity, how do I solve that? Instead of just waiting for somebody else to point out that KPI or for it to just be one of 200 KPIs that are floating around the space and then saying, maybe I need to do something about that. So one thing that I really like you mentioned that is grouping together based on the strategy, which is fantastic. I think that makes a lot of sense. But sometimes people might get really, I was going to say trigger friendly, but they're very KPI happy where they're going to be adding a lot of KPIs because they want to measure everything. And of course, you know, the more information you have, the better. Is there like a specific number of KPIs per strategy that you would recommend so that people don't go too crazy with it? Typically, what we're doing is we're saying there's three to five KPIs along the top underneath the goal. And then each of your strategies should overlap to multiple of those KPIs. Some of our brands have been hyper-focused and been able to say three KPIs, every strategy hits those KPIs. That's our plan for the year. This is what we're going to dominate on. This is what we're checking for and so on. You're right, it is easy to measure too much, but it's also impossible to make every number go upwards, right? Some numbers have to go downwards and you have to prioritize them to say, well, this is the one that matters the most, rather than saying absolutely everything has to be green across the board. Yeah, 
Fair enough, fair enough. But I know like less is more, definitely, right? So you mentioned that I really love this where you talked about how all of whatever that's being done is going to be aligned with the company's vision, mission, and core values. Because that's something that really resonates with us. We use the EOS system at LTV+. And so that's something that it's already automatically in line because of the way we're doing it. Now, I guess the next part of that, and this is part two that you've shared in your four-step plan, right? So how do you then start implementing this. So now you have your KPIs, you've grouped them into the strategies. And as you mentioned, when there are ideas that show up, you can apply them to the strategies as they go. But how do you start getting people's buy-ins? How do you start translating this to the rest of the company? The wonderful thing I find is that the earlier you tell somebody about something, the easier it is to quickly know that you're wrong or that you're right. And I think it's the thing to say that it's easy to get people that are, say, on your team excited because usually they've been part of the plan. They're the ones that are with you, that right? The ones next to you that usually are pretty well aligned. But it starts with those kind of the directors, the owners, the leadership team, and, and pitching back to them. This is what we're going to do. This is where we're going to go. And checking the room to say, is this still aligned to the vision? And you, you learn two things there. And EOS is such a wonderful example of this where you immediately, if you don't have it documented in front of you, which the majority of people don't, right? It's the attraction of systems like EOS. JH runs as EOS as well. And it's the thing, if you don't have that documented, and most people, especially brands online, merchants, retailers, etc., don't, they have to say, okay, you've not told me, so I'm filling the gaps. Am I right? Am I correct? Am I in the right ballpark? Usually those founders and leadership team are really excited about making sure that vision comes alive, making sure it's there. And you're getting early cheerleaders, you're getting early ideas people, early kind of evangelists for that plan, which means that you have even more autonomy. You don't have the fear of the mistake, the problem, you have the bit of safety net around you to say, not only am I going to do this in the next year, but I'm going to report to you every quarter on what's going to happen. And you're going to like it because you just told me you did. So unless something changes, this is going to go pretty well. It's really about aligning people as early as possible so that you aren't doubling down, going away on ideas, on away days, building out your agencies and all everything else to come without knowing that the company is heading in that direction that's going to the right place. That's very cool. I'm totally on board with that. And I think that the earlier that you get people's buy-ins as well, then that's something that you kind of look back on, right? You have this all on paper, you have this all documented, and then it's amazing that you're also running the EOS system. <laughs> that's really awesome. One thing that I heard from a friend of ours so they were, I think, going through the whole, like they even had the uh, EOS expert come in and, you know, kind of verify, you know, like, so for those that are not familiar, there is one part of the EOS system where they talk about rocks. In a way, the rock is kind of like encompassing all the different KPIs together. If I were to kind of put into the uh, EOS setup, the strategy is kind of like the rock. And then you have all these KPIs that kind of move the rock forward in a way or complete that rock, right? And so they were saying, for example, that how do you know the right amount of rocks that you set, the right amount of big tasks that you set in place for that quarter to move closer to that an objective. They're saying that the recommended number or percentage is like 80% of rocks to be completed, wherever that you're measuring that. 80% because if it's 100%, that means you probably have not set enough that you could be doing more, right? Whereas if it's like below 80%, that would mean that you might have taken on too much on your plate. And I think that kind of also goes back to the idea of how you need to really drill in to what really matters versus like, let's do everything, you know, let's get closer. And that all aligns with your mission, vision, and core values ultimately. There's two things from what you just said there. One is the 
aim higher and you will achieve more, right? So you can aim for, say, 50% growth and achieve, I think that the stats something around about 35 to 40 on average if you're aiming for 50%. Whereas if you aim for 35, you're going to achieve a little bit less, typically on average. So it's extending out those goals to aim for the stars, if you will. The other thing in terms of having too much on, a common thing that people running e-commerce inside these brands face is they have a thousand things to do. They have a hundred things to do. And that's never going to change, unfortunately. I wish it could. I wish I could say that there's one system that removes all of that and it's, it's so much easier. You don't have to copyright and proofread and know UX and CX and all of these things all in one person or a group of people. But what you can do is say, I'm going to make time for these priorities and these key things. And this is what I'm going to choose to move as a hand, regardless of what gets in my way and pops up and, and interrupts my day. That's the key thing I notice between the brands we work with that are growing really highly and the brands that come to us wanting to figure that out. The ones that come to us wanting to figure it out, they don't have their priorities out. They're not as aligned as they need to be. And just saying, well, we grew 3% last month, so what do we need to complain about? Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. That is so true. You could obviously aim higher and figure that out with the plan. So let's say now we have the first part sorted out. We know where we're going. We know what we're measuring. We know the strategies that we want to put in place for this quarter or, and or this year. And we have the buy, right? We've brought this forward. Everyone from top down or across the board, everyone's bought into this plan that we have as a business. Now, what's the third step? What do you do next? to switch to being proactive? The first step for me is really getting your idea generation and your source of ideas sorted. So now you have teams aligned, you have your directors aligned, you have your leads aligned, whatever it might be. You also need to align your agencies and your technology partners too. So everybody on the technology partner will have a customer success team that want them to use more features or you know make more benefits to the platform. And hopefully there's agencies on that they're working with, with the likes of Magento and anything else and Adobe Commerce to say, this is how you can make more of this. This is our idea for this. This is our knowledge of the industry, right? The thing I don't want people to think is, again, with, with hundreds of things going on, is that they have to do that alone. It doesn't have to be done entirely internally. And the very best, almost never do it entirely internally. They have a whole network of ideas going through them and going through a filter of that strategy to say, here's the very best of those ideas. So one, I want to make sure that people are putting aside time to think about these things, review the plan, view the measurements, look back at what did we achieve over the last week? What did we achieve over the last 30 days? And really just reflect properly. It's harder than just booking in the time and making it happen, but it's also as easy as that too. It's as easy as saying, I'm going to do it. So this time every week is where I'm going to set it aside, review the core priorities for the next, whether we've just done or what's coming up and make sure they're still aligned. Second, what I want to do is make sure that your agencies, anybody you're working with from marketing to development, design, strategy, whatever it might be, and your technology partners also know this plan. So the, the beauty should be that it's on one page. It shouldn't be a 48-page slide deck. That's probably, if you're walking people through it, it's a great idea. But to send it to people, you want to be able to say it's one page. has maybe two if you decide another form up beyond the lesson point, for example. And you should be able to onboard. And what they should be doing is saying, here's how I can help make that vision a reality and help you on your mission to that success. They shouldn't be saying, okay, tell me when you've got those ideas sorted and I'll, uh, I'll get right on top of them. Right? That's not what they're paying for. They're there to be an extension of yourself to get you that, to those two steps further. And they're there to supplement the fact that you can't do everything yourself. They should be taking work off you. Lastly, 
when you've got all those internal teams aligned, what you want to do is start thinking about how often you meet with them and how often you consult them for their feedback. So I'll take something near and dear to your heart. It's about customer success, about customer support, right? So if we have a customer support team, they're often hearing all of the customers' complaints all in one go. They're almost always the majority source of all the complaints and the first thing everybody complains to. But how often do we actually talk to them? How often do we get their feedback? How often do we say, here's something that people complain about on a consistent basis? And then how often do we do something about it? So to give you an idea, those those one mentioned I worked with a couple of years ago, we went in and we we did a day with the customer support team. We got four of their members of staff in and the team lead, so five overall. And we did a little workshop around what are the top things that come through, how do you typically resolve them, et cetera, et cetera, right? Trying to get all the edge cases out to really just understand the customer experience, what was going wrong, how could we do better? And the number one item on the board was people need to know where their shipment is. When's that package going to arrive? We sat there thinking to ourselves, okay, so that's a pretty easy one to fix. That's pretty straightforward, unless there's some random courier we've never heard of, but almost always very fixable. And we said, okay, so how, if you were estimating, how often would this happen? And the team lead being so great at her job came in prepped, and she said eight out of every 10 calls we get are to ask where somebody's package is and when the shipment's going to arrive. I'm really in this room saying, well, we can solve this in less than a week of work. We can do this in five days. We can take some code up, send out emails to these customers every time there's a status update, give them their tracking numbers to help themselves, do all these different what we consider fundamentals, and take some of that off because there's always going to be people who don't care. They want to talk to someone and all the rest and free up this whole team to be doing so much better. Now, the vision for the company was customer support, customer focus, customer focus, right? And what we were able to do effectively is say, well, there's at least three members, if not four members in this team that now have completely free time from not answering this question. What can they do? Well, let's turn that time into an advantage and have them advise people on what to buy. What's the thing next? Check in with customers, see how their order delivered, be proactive rather than sitting there for that, that phone call to arrive. Really simple example of if you'd have never spoken to them, that would have just carried on forever. Not complete waste of their time, but it would have been a waste but compared to what they're doing now. Oh yeah, no, definitely. And I love like what you shared. That example just resonates so well where you're able to use technology to address such a simple thing just to kind of alleviate the workload, even during times where shipping issues occur, but also during like the holiday seasons, right? You have peak periods, right? And then when you can automate certain parts of that, then your customer experience team or customer support team is able to better focus your time on more important things within the company. So one thing that I really like, as you mentioned here, it's to have those discussions, have those conversations as they happen and sorting those out every week, daily, whatever cadence that you set. We talked about from the beginning, we have to plan, right? We have the general direction. And these are the strategies that we're, we're looking to execute and with the KPIs to kind of support that. Is there anywhere along the way where the strategy, I want to say might change, but you know, something comes up, right? Like, you know, certain things come up as the business evolves and there are some unforeseeable things. So for example, like businesses had a certain plan before COVID and then March, 2020 happened. And then we saw <laughs> it's like, oh, shipping times, everything just like exploded. And obviously all your priorities shift immediately, right? So I guess the question here is how do you accommodate that? Do you just change your strategy immediately? I mean, for obvious situations like COVID, yes, but. What do you recommend brands do in situations like that? It depends on the strength of the vision. If the vision's concrete, then you don't often pivot all that much. 
But I think what does end up happening is, oh, we've got a chance to break into this country, or there's an investor here that wants to take us here. Those are the natural pivots that are always going to happen, always going to change the plan. But what will typically happen is to say, we have a big opportunity in this area, we have a big new way of expressing our vision and executing on our, our own goals, and we're really passionate about getting this strategy done. We get this in front of customers, they're going to go absolutely crazy about it. Now, Sometimes what will happen is you go, okay, well, we've got three strategies, but this time we need to take on four. We just need to do more, right? You have to set yourself limits. Otherwise, again, you're going to need more internal staff and you're going to need more agency, so on and so on. It's fine for agencies and tech partners to ramp up and, you know, add more people on that side, but you're only X amount of people usually. Usually it's a very small team. So when it comes to those things, what we typically say is that when you're aligned with your teams and you've got that idea generation sorted, you, what you're typically doing is you've got an event to look forward to. So with this, for example, with our clients, some of our clients will meet once a quarter and we'll sit down and spend the entire day with their team and our team and just go through strategies and ideas and outputs and workshops. Others might want to do that fortnightly. Others might want to do that monthly. Some people want to do it once a year because they're confident that there's such a good asynchronous communication that doesn't need to be that stuff. So what happened last year with COVID is we said essentially, okay, that thing that's happening in three weeks, let's do it tomorrow. And let's go do that thing that was happening in two months, let's do it next week. I think a lot of people found out how good their teams were last year, I think, in terms of those partners. And those partners were either sitting up straight saying, okay, give me a bit more. How can I help you through this? How can I get you to this next stage? How can I rescue the business in some cases, right? And others were very much like, okay, well, when you figure that out, let me know. And the second category were the people that are kind of good to get to a point with, but they're not the people that take you to a certain stage. So they're the good people that when you've got all the ideas and you're okay, they're going to be fine. But you need to be challenged. You need to be evolving, right? That's very cool. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because, you know, as long as you're, I would say your North Star or your, or your compass is set in the right direction, you would definitely accelerate different things that you, like you said, that you wanted to do maybe two or three months down the road, but guess what? It's important now and just kind of like shuffle your priorities. I think that makes a lot of sense. That general direction will help guide you to that goal. So we've talked about steps one, two, and three, and now we've come to the final piece. And I love the final piece there. So how do you wrap it up? What's the final pillar in this setup? The final one is to make sure you're measuring. Ultimately, what measures gets done is the ultimate way of looking at it, right? If you're not reporting back to yourself, if you're not checking in on those numbers, if you're not writing things down, it's all for nothing almost. It all stays in your head and it goes back to that kind of, well, I'm happier than I was this time last year because I, I survived the last 12 months. And it's, you've got to set a better benchmark for that. You've got to say, well, how do we go from 5% to 6%? How do we go from 5% to 7%, right? And again, it comes back to the, for me, unless you're measuring, you never know when you're successful and you end up, Again, we're going back to this hundreds of job thing. You end up just every day doing something and never really celebrating it and just kind of ending up a little miserable and, and often ending up blaming the employer, which you came to do this great thing for, but actually you just needed to celebrate your own success a bit more, right? So we call it the champagne moment. It's the thing to say, if you want to go from 10 million to 15 million in the next 12 months or 15 million to 50 million in the next three years, that's when I know to bring champagne to the next meeting. But if we've gone from 15 to 49 million, it's still going to be successful, but we're going to be spending a lot of that meeting saying, how did we miss out on that last million? Like, how, did, how can we push harder? How can we get to that thing, right? If you don't have those measurements, the success has never happened. 
you can't report upwards. You should start the meeting with this is the movement since last time. We launched this project and here's the success it brought rather than launched this project and I feel pretty good about it. So that you're constantly learning from those things. If you go back to where we started with people just kind of turning up to work, reacting to every email, reacting to every Slack message, whatever it might be, those people are never learning from their mistakes unless they're really blatant. And the really blatant mistakes you learn a lot from, but you do learn more from the micro mistakes that happen along the way where you can make the small pivots that don't seem so big. Something big happens, you know, the office burns down or the factory gets shut or whatever. You can then do really big pivots, but the smaller ones often are the indicator of the patterns of those bigger things coming. So you can prepare and stop them happening altogether. So with that, one thing that comes to mind while we were chatting, so we talked about many different strategies that you can work with depending on your goals. I guess like my question here is, how do you create a strategy that doesn't seem like a copy and paste of your competitors, right? Because you know everyone will throw out a million ideas, but there will always be some level of overlap. But how do you make sure that, oh, you know, I'm not doing the same thing as the other company's doing? You got to start with benchmarking against your competitors. I think competitors should be the thing you see in the review map, right? They should be the thing that you pass. And the analogy I always use is whilst we're jogging and we're running a marathon, they're going to run a sprint, get tired, bend over for air whilst we pass them. We might be going a little bit slower, but we're constantly making those marginal gains and going forward, right? And we want competitors to get tired. We want them to think, how the heck are they continually moving forwards rather than it seeming like a website that's the same as it was six months ago and 12 months ago? So to answer your question, what you do is you figure out why you're better than that. What are your points that you're going to be better than? And you can do a competitor analysis every so often and say, based on the benchmark, where are we weak, where are we strong, and what do we need to double down on? And use that as part of your idea generation for those strategies to say, this is where we need to keep being ahead. This is where we need to be two steps ahead rather than maybe a level and maybe a little bit behind, maybe one step ahead. I repeat what I said earlier, I think no business ever gets started because they're just there to make money. I think business gets started because there's a difference they want to be in the world. And that difference is usually how you're going to be your competitor. If it's not, then there needs to be a bit of a workshop over a round table and we need to work that out, right? But you need to see, well, are they beating you in other areas that are more important? Benchmark them and need to be aggressive about it, but make sure you're beating them, right? Make sure you're absolutely beating them every single time you do that review. I love that. Thank you. That's actually really useful because I think, yeah, maybe sometimes businesses can get a little bit, I want to say complacent, but you kind of get relaxed and depending on the industry you're in, but you'd always have to figure out kind of like what your next step is, right? I mean, of course, it goes back to why you originally started this business, et cetera, et cetera. But you also want to make sure that I guess as long as you're always moving forward, that you're always looking to see how you can be better than you were previously as a business. I think that's that's always a good thing to have. So. Thank you. That's a really great answer. I love that. So that's how you ensure that you're not a copy and paste. Now to kind of round things off for viewers and people who are going to be checking out this episode later on, you know, are there any particular resources or books you would recommend for people to check out? I think there's two and they're business books. So I will apologize if that's not your thing. I think what measure gets done is all about KPIs, making sure that you're setting proper goals, that you also have flexibility in their goals. Sometimes it's a be-all and end-all. Sometimes it's as long as we improve. The other one for me is mastering the Rockefeller habit. So it's about one-page strategic plan, aligning teams towards that plan and being able to say really concisely, this is where we're going and how we're going to get there without 200 pages of things that people just aren't going to read. 
very much like EOS and there's EOS, Rockefeller Habits, and a whole bunch of other different plans and strategic frameworks out there that will help. But those two skills fundamentally are what I think sets e-commerce managers that are really great, apart from the ones that are kind of okay to God. Having that plan and having a vision for where it's going to go and making sure that you are heading in that right direction. All right, very cool. So if you need to check those out, we will definitely be sharing those again. There was the other thing as well. So let's say if there's some brands right now that could use your agency's help, like what can they do with JH? Two ways to look at it, really. One is to reach out to us directly and say, how do we bring you in? How do we change this this pattern that we're in? You know, the agency's not performing, the company's not performing. Help us get to that next level. Help us get two steps ahead. The other is we do such a wonderful amount of events on an ongoing basis. We have an event, I think, every two weeks, at least for the rest of the year, from forming your own strategic plan, where we'll walk you through, write it down, set the goals and, and set it all out to working out how to prepare for Black Friday and then all the things that you would expect to be common. So make sure that you subscribe to the newsletter, I guess. Nice. And that is at wearejh.com. And yeah, if you need help with Black Friday, Cyber Monday, you should have contacted them yesterday. So it might be a little bit too late, but hey, better late than never, right? If they have some questions, people have some questions that they want to you know, reach out and maybe check in with you, Jamie, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Easiest way, Jamie at com, or reach out on LinkedIn. And you should be able to find him. He's everywhere. Very wonderful thought leader in the Magento space for sure. So you'll be able to find him. <laughs> well, Jamie, thanks a lot for catching up with me today on how we solve. I think this is a really, really insightful conversation. I think it's given me a lot to think about as well as a business owner. What you shared today is not just only applicable to e-commerce, but I think it's even businesses to be more proactive about how they engage their customers, how they stay on top of things. How can they always keep iterating and working on their advantage? Jamie, this is really fantastic. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. And everyone else, thanks a lot for checking us on How We Solve. Peace. Is your e-commerce growing so fast that you can't keep up with supporting your customers in real time? Serve them better in any time zone and language. They will thank you with higher conversion rates and repeat purchases. We build and manage your own dedicated customer experience team of live chat and support agents. Get started today. Visit ltvplus.com. That's ltvplus.com. Thanks for listening to the How We Solve podcast. Dominate your market and crush the competition with our step-by-step playbooks. Subscribe right now in your favorite podcast player or visit howwesolve.com.